It's the Preston Podcast. See what he's been going through lately. It's the Preston Podcast. Going to his thoughts and his mind. It's the Preston Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe and hit that like button. It's the Preston Podcast. Hey, what's up? It's your host, Preston Shuttlesworth, coming to you on the podcast, back finally, and if you didn't recognize that angelic voice, that was a special guest that I guess is featuring on this episode with me today. My immensely talented cuz, Camila Shuttlesworth, made that introduction for me a little while ago, and I thought, instead of using that old, robotic, white woman's voice that I paid like eight bucks for, for the introduction... Why not use the gem of my cousin Camila's talents for this podcast to really just step up the game, you know? And since there's been a long break since the last episode, I think we all deserve to hear that. And I know for me to encourage me and Camila, if you ever hear this, I want to say thank you. You're the realest cuz that there is. And um, with that being said... It's good to finally be back on the podcast. I'm recording this as we speak, or as I speak, I guess. It's not a dialogue. It's more a monologue. But as I'm speaking, I'm recording this in my very first house, if you can believe that. So me being the worst social media user of all time, uh, you obviously have no idea what's been going on in my life. But I recently moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which if you don't know, my cousin evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth planted a church here a little over a year ago, and it's been amazing to see the growth and development of what God's called him to do in this city, and I was praying and I was believing God for the next step and stage of my life in ministry, and I knew in my spirit that the Lord wanted me to move, and I didn't know exactly where or what He wanted me to do, but I knew in my spirit that there was um, a season, I guess I don't, we use those terms seasons, and it can be annoying like in Christian uh, dialogue or whatever, but I knew there was a stage in my life where I needed to um, grow up, I guess, a little bit and get out on my own and do something. Um, you know, as a young man in my early 20s, um, things like moving out of my parents' house, which I was still living in up until a few months ago, and um, believing God for increase in the ministry and what He's called me to do. And so anyways, with that being said, I um, am in the process of buying this house that I'm recording this episode from one of the bedrooms in. Um, right now, it's an empty bedroom with one bunk bed from the owner of the house, a mattress, a carpet that's still in its packaging, and <laughs> I'm recording the episode with all of my my microphone, my laptop, my Bible, on an ironing board that I'm using as my desk, and one of the tables from the kitchen as my chair. So, um, if you could see that picture, it's kind of funny, but I say that to let you know that while I've been gone, a lot's been happening in my life, and uh, there is a word and a teaching that I'm going to give on the podcast today of things the Lord has been speaking to me and dealing with me about. And I believe if you're young, 
and feel a pull or a call or a tug in your heart to do something for the Lord, which I know most of my audience would fall within uh, that group of people, that you're young, you have desires in your heart, you understand the time that we're living in, and you understand that time is short and Jesus, Jesus is coming soon, and there's something that you want to do. And I want to talk about some of the things the Lord has spoke to me about that topic that I think will help you. I've, I've entitled this episode, which you've already seen now, for the first five minutes of this, you've already seen the title, but uh, there's a work for you to do. And this is something the Lord spoke to me that I think will help you. And I want to go to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25, and we can start there. There's six different scriptures I'm going to use today uh, and, and show what the Lord has been speaking to me out of these scriptures. But in Matthew chapter 25, I want to go there. Uh, the Bible says this in verse 31, Matthew chapter 25, in verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, and the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come. You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And as I'm recording this, someone's texting me and uh, making it annoying for the listener to hear the beeping, but that's fine. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I wanted to read that scripture because I want to talk about what the motivation in the heart behind what you've been called to do by the Lord should be. And I think this is a trap that a lot of, especially people that have grown up in America, and I've seen American ministry and the flaws that are found within American and Western-style uh, Christian ministries and things like that, where it can seem, I know for me, this is something I had to deal with, where it was like, sometimes I find it annoying, like you see all those like, whatever, like reels or TikToks and all this stuff that you see on social media just being, you know, a young person that has an Instagram account or a TikTok or whatever, and you see all these people sharing things and, I, and, and preaching, I guess, quote-unquote, but a lot of it comes off disingenuous or it comes off phony or it comes off um, sensational or trying to go viral. I know that's a big thing now is like, what can I say or do to draw the most eyes to me? doesn't matter if it's sound doctrine. doesn't matter if it's actually going to help someone. All I want to do is get as many viewers and eyes on me and on my videos as possible because that's my motivation. But I wanted to read that section and portion of Scripture in Matthew chapter 25, because what were the things that separated the goats and the sheep? Obviously, we know that we're called to be sheep. Jesus is the great shepherd. And the Bible uses that literary language and those symbols of goats and sheep, meaning the sheep are the ones that obey the voice of the shepherd and are obedient and are listening to the Father's voice and things like that. 
They're the ones that are in the right relationship with God, doing things the right way in obedience to his word. And then there are the goats on the left, and those that symbolizes those that are in disobedience, those that have been um, cast away, those that have been rejected, those that have done things the wrong way. And what was the thing that the word of God says separated the two? And it says that the king said to those on the right, Come, you are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And here, here it is. Here's the reason for, you know, the, the reason why he's saying this is he says, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And so what is that thing that separates the sheep and the goats? It's those that go after the lost, the hurting, and the broken. You know, it doesn't say that they went to the highest bidder. It doesn't say that they preached to those that they thought they could get the best opportunity from or the biggest platform or the most money, the biggest offering check or whatever. It was those that were hungry, those that were thirsty, and those that were strangers. And so the heart and motivation behind what you do for the Lord and what you're called to do, which I believe we're all called to do something, now, that might not mean full-time ministry for every single person. It might mean that for you in your case. But what I'm trying to say is that thing that God has called you to do ultimately boils down to reaching the lost, the hurting, and the broken. And, and a problem that I've seen and something that I've had to deal with and not just like quit or be frustrated or just give up because I'm like, well, everyone's just doing these kinds of things because they want to go viral. They want eyes on them. You know, their heart, and when you hear them speak, it's not coming from a place of genuine passion for their generation. It comes off just empty or shallow, I guess you could say. But I had to learn, and, I, and I've had to continue to learn, that being critical or being um, upset or displeased with how other people do things has nothing to do with what God has called you to do. It has nothing to do with what you can do. And that really comes down to a place of, do I believe God's going to use me? And it doesn't matter on the grand scheme of things how, what direction people are going. I know where I'm going, and I know where God's going to take me if I obey Him and obey His Word. And so the purpose of ministry, going back again, go after the lost, the hurting, and the broken. And... There's something you can do. You know, I've, I've been in a place, you know, where I didn't have, you know, invitations to preach in an actual church for a long periods of time, you know, maybe two months at a time. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, I guess the Lord, you know, wants me just to not do anything for this amount of time that I have no invitations to preach. And I guess I'll just wait and see for something to fall out of the sky and let me go and do something. And I've had to learn the lesson of being proactive in what I've been called to do. And I'm still learning this, you know, even doing this podcast is part of that. But not just waiting for someone to invite me, but realizing I'm living in a world that's lost and hurting and broken. There's someone that I can preach to every single day if I really wanted to. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, maybe you've heard me mention my Bible school, like when my graduating class, there was over 190 people that graduated with me at my Bible school. And now 
you know, I'd have to like really go and see what everyone's doing. But I, at the time that I looked it up, you know, maybe like six months ago or whatever, I think there was five people that were in any sort of ministry whatsoever, meaning they were, you know, helping out, they were doing graphics, they were doing some sort of service or involved in some sort of church or ministry at any level. It was about five. And then those that were in full-time ministry was even less. It was like three. I think it was me and one of my, my close friends and then one other person that's like a missionary and does missionary work. And that was it. And that discouraged me. And the reason is, is because people expect, okay, well, someone should see that I'm young. Someone should see that I'm on fire. Someone should see that I have a gift to, to do this in ministry. Someone should just give me a shot. It should just come out of nowhere. And that's not how it works. You know, there is, there has to be a self-motivating drive and passion in you, a zeal that you have to go after the lost and the hurting and the broken in your generation. And so whether that's in a 5,000 seat auditorium in a church, or if that's 25 homeless people under a bridge, you should find something to do. There is plenty of work. You know, the Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And the reason that the laborers are few is because most Christians and most young people that feel called into ministry aren't self-motivated. They're not, they're not getting up in the morning and then working all day long thinking of something they can do to impact their generation. They're just waiting for something to happen. And sometimes those things happen, and sometimes, most of the time, they don't. And so, be someone that finds out what your generation needs and you go after it with your whole heart. And don't allow it to frustrate you that no one wants you to come in to preach or no one wants you to do this. Or maybe your youth pastor is always selecting and using other people in your youth group but not you and you're wondering why that is and blah, blah, blah. And you're wondering, you know, why get so fixated and so upset on one opportunity or one platform that you could be used on and then you think, well, I guess I'm not called. I guess I'm not good enough. I guess I'm not that anointed. That's why I'm not being used. But you think about it. Let's say in that scenario that your youth pastor does ask you to preach for one of the youth services. Okay, you go and you preach, and it goes good, whatever, and then it's over. And then that's it. So what do you do then? Do you just wait for the next time? Hopefully the youth pastor lets you preach again, and that's what your life's going to be. That should not be the highest goal of what you want to accomplish in your life. You should have something in your heart that you have to do that if, that if you had the time and the resources, maybe you're in high school right now and you can't just drop everything and go and do it, but there will come a time and a place in your life where you could and you'll have the resources and God will provide what you need. You should have something in your heart that you want to do that you could go and run and do right now and not just be one of these people, which most, which 95% of people are this kind of person. They need a leader. They need someone to wake them up in the morning and give them a, a, a list of things to do. Otherwise, they're going to do nothing. And that's how most people are. That's how, that's how, what's what a staff minister is. A staff minister, okay, you're giving your services, you know, whether it's youth or young adults or maybe you're an associate pastor or something like that. And what you're doing is just you're supporting the vision of the head pastor, which is fine. I'm not criticizing that. But 
I'm talking in this podcast is made specifically for people that feel called to do something for the Lord that's your own. And that takes great faith. And I'm not and I'm not stretching the truth to say it takes more faith to be that kind of person and that kind of minister than it does just to believe for a, a staff job and get a salary every year and file your w- W-2 and that's what your life is. Again, not criticizing it, but this podcast is made for someone like me that is trying to accomplish the things that I'm trying to accomplish. You know, I've told you this story probably multiple times on this podcast, but when I finished Bible school, my dad, who, who pastors a church in Virginia Beach, he offered me the, you know, uh, a staff job on his ministry, and I could have preached in the youth. I could have you know, st- started a young adults group. I could have done all the things that churches do, and I could have done that. It would have been easy. I would have had a steady paycheck. I would have had um, places to preach and consistent people to preach to, and I would have been able to tell people that I was in full-time ministry because I was working for my dad's church. And all of that's well and good. But in my spirit personally, when I you know, had that opportunity, it didn't sit right with me. I knew it wasn't what God wanted me to do. And so I fasted and I prayed and I felt the Lord call me to travel and believe for doors to open on the road to evangelize and preach um, that way. And so I did. And when I did, doors opened. I got in contact with people. Somehow people heard my name. I started doing this podcast. And back then out of school, I did it every week, and people got to know me, pastors heard me, kids in youth groups shared my episodes with their pastors or put it on their stories, and people saw it, and I got invitations, and I went out and preached. Now, all of that happened not because I decided to play it safe or complain and wonder, you know, I just graduated Bible college, why is nothing happening? You have to go out and make something happen. You have to go out and make something happen, and I know a lot of people that's difficult. And I understand the temptations there are of just like giving up and saying, well, I guess nobody wants me to be at their church. I guess no one wants me to preach and I'm just going to give up. But that can't be, if it's that easy for the devil to discourage you and make you quit, then you weren't going to be that impactful anyway. But you have to have this thing where it's like, no matter how difficult or impossible it might seem, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. There is a work that I have to, do, have to do. There is something in me that my generation needs. And I believe that about you. Whoever you are listening to me right now, I believe that there is something that the Lord has for you to do. And I want you to accomplish it. I want to be a voice of encouragement in these, these minutes I have with you, this time I have with you, to remind you that you're called, to remind you that you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish the calling and the task that the Lord has given to you. So don't be, you know, don't get critical. Well, I don't want to be a part of these lunatics on TikTok. I don't want to be a part of this weird, you know, deliverance ministry that everything's about demons. I don't want to be, you know, again, you don't be someone that's so critical that everything is just horrible, but find a ministry that you want to pattern yourself after. Do it that way. Make friends that are in that circle and then go full force and run with what God's called you to do. And again, there are street corners, there are bridges, there are shelters, there are hospitals, there are orphanages, there are plenty of things and places that you can get involved in and preach and let your gift make room for you. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, 
that if you become someone like that and you do what God's called you to do, the Lord will bless you for it. The Lord is not going to give something to someone that's not going to multiply what he gives. God makes good investments. And so if you're believing for God to increase you, show God that what you have to do right now, you'll do, it, you'll do well with it. You'll multiply it. You'll grow it. God is looking for that. Amen. And so that's the first point I wanted to show you. And then I want to go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. The Bible says this. It says, as each, has, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So that's 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. Each one has received a gift. Use it. That's why I can pause there. God has given you a gift for that gift to be used. God doesn't give us gifts so they can stay wrapped and stay unopened and you can tell people that you have a gift. No, God gives us a gift so that we can work it and use it to accomplish tasks and things for God's kingdom. And so understand that there is a specific gift that God has given to you to use. There is a specific gift God has given to you to use. And so again, going back to that idea of like, well, I don't really like how people do this. I don't like how people do that. Well, guess what? Who cares what other people are doing? What are you doing? There's a gift that God's given you. Use what God's given you to do. And so understand your uniqueness. Understand the specific, unique abilities and gifts that God has given you. And there's a reason. You know, I think frustration, and I know frustration's a, an annoying thing. It's a difficult thing to uh, encounter and deal with. But at the same time, I think frustration is a sign that you know you're able to accomplish more. Frustration is an indication that you know within yourself that there's more that you can do. It's an indication within yourself that you know that you're met and designed for greater things. And so allow frustration to motivate you. And I know that sounds strange, but allow motiv- that frustration to allow to make you put a fire in your belly to be like, I know I can do something and I know that it can be great. I know that it can be impactful. I know that it can help people. Amen. There's a specific gift God has given to you to use, so use it. If you don't use it because you're frustrated, you'll just torture yourself your whole life. And eventually, God will find somebody else to do what He wanted you to do. But don't become so critical and so just you know, in a give up place where it's like you're so critical of others where you don't even exercise your gift. Who cares? Don't become so outwardly focused on things going on around you. Allow what's on the inside of you to be poured out into the lives of others and then watch what God will do to bless you. God will increase you as you use the gift that God has given to you because there's a work that you have to do. And you know this, it's, it's a true thing. But if you give up, there are people that will go to hell. There are people that if you give up, will never be preached to, will never be reached. They'll never hear a message that was said in a way from your personality and your perspective that touched their heart and then they gave their lives to Jesus. If you give up, there are people that will go to hell because God 
designed for you to meet their life out of your obedience to preach to them to get them saved. And there might be people, like I said, where God will use somebody else to preach and maybe they'll get saved in somebody else's meeting or somebody else's uh, teaching or something like that. But I do believe there are people that are counting on your yes to God for their eternal salvation, for their healing, for their breakthrough, their deliverance, their freedom. It's counting on your yes, on your obedience to do what God's called you to do. And so I don't say that to be manipulative, to make you um, panicked or worried or wondering what I need to do and, you know, put this like anxiety in, in you or something like that. But I tell you that because let that also be motivation to do what God's called you to do. Amen. And then I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to keep going to the Word of God today with uh, these last things that I have to say. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Hallelujah. God, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. He called us to a holy calling. He called us to a holy calling. And so think of the weight of that. Think of the weight of a holy calling God's placed on your life. It's not something to be dealt with lightly. You know, I see these kinds of things. You know, there's stories I've heard and, and things I've heard in uh, people I've met and things like this where there are people in Bible school that get kicked out three times for the same sin. You know, they, they meet a girl, they're dating, they get caught doing something, whatever. And then two months later, they're back preaching, they're back on platforms, they're back doing everything as normal, and it's all well and good and stuff like that. And it's just, again, I'm not trying to um, attack people or compare myself to others or whatever, things like that. But there is a holy calling that God's called us to that requires us to go against the grain and do something with what God's given us and be careful. Keep a guard on our lives. Keep a guard on what we do and not act out of self-interest. You know, I think a lot of what ministry is in America is self-interest motivated ministry. It's like, what can I do to be the most popular? What can I do to get the most eyes and things like that? And obviously, I believe in increase. I want, I want a Christian to have 20 million people watching them live and people getting saved by the hundreds of thousands every single day. Of course I do. But people act in a way where it's like what they preach doesn't even help people. And what they're doing is out of a self-interest to promote themselves from a selfish standpoint. But God has not called us to do that. He's called us to live a life that's holy for works that were beneficial and pertain to his kingdom. You know, it doesn't say it's our purpose. And I want you to see that in that verse. It says, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus. And so the purpose is God's purpose functioning through the vessel that is us. And I think people don't understand that. It's, like, it's my purpose. It's my purpose. When reality... It's God's purpose for his kingdom, and he's trying to find and look for people that are obedient. You know, there's that scripture in the Old Testament that the eyes of the Lord 
They search to and fro, seeking for someone whose heart is fixed on him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. And so God's looking for people that are in agreement with what he wants done. You know, Job twenty two twenty one, agree with God and have peace, and then all shall go well for you. So God's just looking for someone to say yes to his purpose that can function through the vessel of them. But people get so caught up in how people view them. They get so caught up in, well, if I make this or if I produce this, if I say this, what will people think? Blah, blah, blah. And it's such a trap. It's such a dangerous place to be because when you get like that and you constantly think about yourself in that way, then you end up doing nothing because you're just like, well, what's the point? What's the use? I don't offer anything unique. I don't offer anything beneficial. So what's the point? And that's a lie from the devil. There is something in you that people need to hear. There's something in you that people need to experience because if not, they'll go to hell. And don't let it be something that comes out of self-interest. Let it come out of your adoration and your love for God and your love for people and your strong desire to see your generation touched by the power of God. Amen. And also, when you understand that it's God's purpose, it's a dangerous place to be to not develop your, your calling and not develop your gifts and not use them because then you're showing God what you do when he gives you something. And then when God sees that you won't multiply, he won't give you anything else. You know, God's not a communist. God's a, God's a capitalist. God blesses those that reproduce. God blesses people with more when they multiply what he gives. We see that in the parable of the sower or the, the talents in the master and the sowers. We see that God blesses those that increase. He blesses the obedient. He blesses those that multiply. And the ones that are afraid and hide what they have in the ground because they're afraid to lose it. The Bible says that the master took that talent and gave it to the one that produced the most. And so produce. Find something to do. No matter how small, no matter how insignificant it might seem to you, it's not insignificant. It is significant. Because it, at, the, at the very least, it's a seed for your future. And we understand that seeds are never um, bigger than their harvest. Seeds always produce something bigger. And so at the very least, see what you're doing right now. Maybe you're 15, 16. Have a Bible club. Have a prayer, a prayer uh, group that you meet with at your high school or your middle school. And it might seem small. Maybe three kids show up. Maybe five kids show up. And you think, well, there's no point in this. At the very least, and I'm sure it's even more than this, at the very least, it's a seed that you're sowing into your future so that by the time you're coming out of high school, you already have opportunities to preach. Before you even go to Bible college, you have a plan of what you're going to do when you finish. Amen. And so allow that to encourage you, that what you have to offer is not insignificant. What you have to offer is not small, though it might seem small though it might seem like it's not doing much or not reaching many, it is a great value to God. And what you have on the inside of you has great value. And I've learned this, that the more I shift my focus on God's empowerment that has been placed on my life and less on, on myself and, and who I am and blah, 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 like the natural things, the more motivated I'll be to accomplish the task that God assigns to me. 
you got to shift your focus. You know, you, you might have heard this. This is not my quote, but humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, meaning it's not that you, by being humble, you belittle, belittle yourself, you mock yourself, you make yourself seem so unimportant, but you just don't think about yourself. You think about others. You think about what God's done for you. You think about who God's made you to be by his word, that you don't think about, you don't make fun of yourself and call yourself dumb or um, incapable or whatever, but instead you just focus on God's empowered me by his Holy Spirit. I have the power to accomplish my purpose because God is the one that empowers me. And you shift the focus from yourself onto the word, onto what God's done by his spirit to empower you to do what he's called you to do. And when you do that, you'll have endless motivation to do something for God's kingdom. Amen. And then in John chapter 9, I want to go there. The Gospel of John chapter 9 in verse 1. I want to talk about the time that we live in and how important it is and how amazing it is that God allowed us to be born in this moment in time. Jesus is coming soon. Time is coming to an end. I mean, we're living in a day and age where we don't have to convince people of Bible prophecy and the things the Bible talks about. We can show them to people in, in news stories and social media things. And it's just so easy because we're living in an unprecedented time in history where all these things are coming to pass. And we know Jesus, Jesus is coming soon. And it's very humbling and powerful to think that God chose that throughout all of time, from beginning to end, he wanted me and you on the earth at this time to be used because he knew that he wanted us to be here to reach as many people as possible. He could have chosen David or Paul or any of the disciples, any of the prophets from the Old Testament, but he chose for you and I to be here. And I think that's powerful. And I want to show you in John chapter 9, you know, how close we are to that time. The Bible says um, in John chapter 9 in verse 1, it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task. So I want to show you that there. I'm going to read that again. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. And so I've, I know I've, I think I've taught out of that scripture before how Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Well, we understand that Jesus is no longer in the world in a physical sense. He's no longer in his natural earthly body on the earth, walking around uh, the Middle East performing miracles. He uh, was crucified. He resurrected from the dead. He ascended unto heaven. And the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost and filled the upper room and baptized the early church and the Holy Spirit. And so when that happened, the light of the world 
Jesus, Jesus said he was the light of the world while he was on the earth. But when his physical body and himself went to heaven after the crucifixion and resurrection and the ascension, now the light of the world is the church. It's you and me. Because we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that Jesus had. The same Spirit that Jesus had, that without the Holy Spirit, Jesus didn't perform any miracles. Jesus didn't heal any blind eyes or raise uh, a little girl's uh, body back to life or do any of the miracles that he did. Jesus didn't even do them without the Holy Spirit. But now that Spirit, that same Spirit, lives on the inside of us. And so... We're that light of the world. And night is coming. You know that scripture, it says, work the works of God while it's yet day. Do what God's called you to do in the time that he's given to you to do it because there's a night coming when no person can work the works of the kingdom. No one can do what we've been empowered to do by the Holy Spirit. There's a limited amount of time that we have to perform these things. And I know when you're young, it can seem like you have all the time in the world. But really, time goes very quickly. You know, it seems like yesterday I finished Bible college, and then it seems like it wasn't that long ago that I was just getting started. And now I'm a few years into ministry, and it feels like not that much time has passed. And the more time passes, the quicker it goes by. And so understand, live with that urgency in your spirit, in your mind, that I don't have time to just play around. I don't have time to fall into sin and make a mistake that sets me back five years and then do it again. No, I have a divine, holy purpose that God has given to me to accomplish in a set amount of time. And if I don't fulfill it, then I failed God. I failed my generation. I failed every person that believed in me. I failed every person that gave in any offering that went to me or my ministry. I failed. Don't let that be your story. Let your story be one that said yes, someone that obeyed God, someone that walked worthy of the calling that they received, someone that saw great signs and miracles and wonders in your generation, someone that impacted people's lives so much that they went to Bible school just because they were in one of your meetings or they witnessed to their family because they got saved in your meeting and now their whole family serves the Lord. I mean, I've realized there's no amount of money, there's nothing in the natural, there's no material thing I could ever receive, there's no watch, there's no car, there's nothing that compares to hearing a testimony or a story of someone's life that was impacted by my preaching or by my ministry. There's nothing. It's the most gratifying, fulfilling feeling that there is in all of the world. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Not from, again, not because I love having praise heaped upon me or something like that. But no, I love God. And I love God's kingdom. And I know God loves people. So I love people. And I want people to go to heaven. I want their lives to transform. I want depression to lift off of people's minds. I want sickness to lift off their bodies. I want sin to be removed from their spirits that they might be saved and go to heaven someday. There's nothing worth more than that to me. Nothing. And that's the heart of what your ministry should be. It's the heart of what your life should be. And I've realized that if I go a certain amount of time without accomplishing that, life doesn't seem worth living. 
Not that I want to, you know, do something crazy or take my own life or something like that. What I'm saying is, what's the point of being successful by the world's standards? What's the point of having a nice house? You know, I've come, I've had these thoughts, you know, having this house now and living on my own and, and being able to pay for the rent and the mortgage without any problems. And it's easy. It's like, okay, you know, I, I have money. I could pay my, I could pay this house for two years and not work a single day. And that's a true fact. I could, but I've thought like, what's the point? Okay. I, I'm fine financially. I have a, I have a nice house. I have a video game system. I have food in my refrigerator. I can DoorDash anything I want. I can, I have enough money to get on a plane and go anywhere I want for a vacation. I have no boss. <laughs> I have no person that I have to give an account of my life to besides God. I can do anything I want. I have a car. I have money for gas. I can do anything I want. But if I don't accomplish kingdom tasks, it just all seems so unimportant. It seems so meaningless and boring. And without accomplishing my purpose, all of those other things don't matter. Now, I'm not going to lie. It's better to have those things than to be homeless living under a bridge, living in a cardboard box. Of course it is. But it's not, it's not as awesome as people might make it out to be, where their entire motivation of going to work and going to college to get a, a degree so they can get a higher paying job and all this kind of stuff. At least for me, you know, I might sound like a crazy person just ranting. But for me, if you got the best degree, if you got the highest paying job, if you got the best of the best this world has to offer, if you could buy designer clothes whenever you wanted, it's so empty without accomplishing your purpose. It's so empty without doing something for God to me. And without being obedient to what God's called you to do, nothing will replace that satisfaction. Nothing. Nothing will even come close. And so maybe for someone that hasn't reached that point, because I remember coming out of Bible school and I had to believe for meetings just so I could pay my car payment and just pay um, whatever. I mean, I lived with my parents, but that was pretty much my only expense, but just pay for simple things. And I thought, well, how in the world am I going to pay for my car this month when I made $75 in three days at this meeting or things like that? But now it's like, I'm good. You know, I have, I have partners, I have meetings and things go well for me. They go well, a lot better than they did two years ago. And you know, it's, it's not like I, I think about money anymore, really. I don't. But when you get to that place, nothing replaces accomplishing something significant for God. And I want to put that in you where that's, the, that's your motivation and that's what drives you. And the thing is, when that drives you, all that other stuff gets added unto you just as extra. Because God pays his workers. God takes care of those that are good stewards. God's not an abuser or a bad boss or someone that doesn't take care of those that obey him. God takes care of those that obey him very well. He pays his workers very well. 
And so I'm not saying you have to choose. I'm not saying in order to get, uh, you know, have a fire maintained, you have to like live under a bridge, but don't allow your motivation to be material things. Allow your motivation to be things that benefit God's kingdom. And then all the other things will just get added into your life. Amen. And to use a verse to drive that point home, uh, I'll read Luke 16, 13 to you. The Bible says, No servant can serve two masters. For either... Now, interesting, because you think, okay, two masters. You think, okay, the writer, Luke, is talking about God and the devil, right? He's talking about um, good and evil. He's talking about, you know, obviously... Uh, God and the devil, but listen to what he lists as the two masters that you can serve. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve, hear this, here's the key, key part. You cannot serve God and money. And I know that the original word in the Greek for that word money is mammon which I think the King James might even say mammon, which was a, a pagan god that represented um, basically food and, and, and uh, livelihood and things like that and money. But th- think of the two masters that Luke mentions that you can serve, the word of God. It says God and money. And again, I'm not saying you can't have money and serve God, of course not. If you know me, if you've heard me preach, you know I don't believe that. But you need to guard the heart and the motive of your ministry and of your purpose. And material things can never be your motivation to do what God's called you to do. Because like I said, as soon as God blesses you and gets you to a point where you're comfortable, you'll lose motivation and you'll stop increasing. And from conversations I've had with my cousins or my uncles or my dad, you know, I understand that there are most people, once they have enough to buy a house, once they have enough to buy a car, they have enough to take care of their family, wonderful, praise God. But as soon as that happens, they stop. They stop taking chances. They stop stepping out. They stop pressing as hard as they used to because there's no reason in the natural because they're taken care of financially. And it's a sad thing, but it's a true statement that most people in ministry, hear me, this is true. Most people in ministry are motivated by money. They'll pick and choose where they go and preach based on the offerings. You know, they would rather be a guest speaker that preaches in auditoriums of 5,000 than go do a crusade somewhere in an inner city that's 8,000 people, but they know there's not going to be an offering for their ministry because. It's not about actually making impact. It's about what can I do to benefit myself the most. And it's true. And again, I don't want to sound critical or, um, you know, bitter because I'm not bitter. But you should do something that when you make decisions, it's what will impact God's kingdom and help God's kingdom the most, not what can I do to impact myself and help myself the most? And in the end, if you do what benefits God's kingdom the most, you'll get both. And it's really a temptation and a lie of the devil that would trick you to thinking 
that you have to choose between one or the other. You can choose God's way and God's method and go after people that God wants to be reached. And when it happens, God will take care of you. Why? Because it's like the verse we read in the very beginning in, uh, in Matthew. That when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When you helped the least of these, you did it unto me. And so if you feed others, if you help others, if you clothe others, if you give those that are in need something to drink and take care of them, visit them. God will visit you. God will bless you. God will give you something to drink. God will make sure you have something to eat and something to wear. But if you focus on yourself, there's no harvest in that. There's no return in that. It's a one and done. And so choose in the work that you have to do to make sure the heart and the motivation of what you do is because of what God instructed, not because of what you want. And a lot of American Western ministers make that mistake. And I don't want you to. And maybe you're not from America listening to this, but it goes for anyone watching, anyone listening. Do what God's called you to do because of your heart for people and your desire to see them changed. And God will bless you for it. Amen. And I want to close in Ephesians chapter 4 today and verse 1. And I want to talk about moving and not moving like moving from a house to house or city to city, but moving as in working. And, and I know we've been talking that, I guess, most of the episode, but specifically from this passage of scripture in uh, the letter that Paul writes to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul writes and says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I want to focus on the first part of that passage where it says, Paul says, I urge you to walk. And if you have a Bible and you have it open to that scripture, you can underline walk or circle walk. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I want you to understand if you take notes, you can write this uh, concerning this scripture. Walking is purposeful movement in a specific direction. Walking is purposeful movement in a specific direction. Understand, Paul didn't write and say, I urge you to sit in a corner in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Paul didn't write and say, I urge you to lay down and sleep in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Paul said, I urge you to walk. I urge you to move. I urge you to get up and do something. I urge you to keep moving. I urge you to move, move, walk in a manner worthy of the, of the calling to which you have been called. Walking is purposeful movement in a specific direction. You cannot accomplish and do what God's called you to do 
by sitting still. You cannot not accomplish what God has called you to do by being passive. You have to have zeal to walk and move in the direction that God wants you to move in. And so understand, passivity is a gateway to sin. Being idle, doing nothing is a gateway to sin. You can't accomplish what God's called you to do by complaining or being critical and not moving. Get up and walk. And some of you run in the manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With humility and gentleness. So Paul said you can move and accomplish things in a way that's not prideful or irritating or annoying. <laughs> you can move, but move with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love and maintaining the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And so move. Walk in the direction that God's given you to walk in and watch what God will do in blessing you for it. I promise you, He will. And never be discouraged and think that what you have to do is insignificant or small. It's not. It's impactful. It will change someone's life. One day when you're raptured or are in heaven, there will be people that come up to you and talk to you and tell you that you're the reason that they're there. Think of that. There are entire families that could be hanging in the balance of your yes to God and you accomplishing the work that he's given you to do. There might be entire groups of people that would have been called into the ministry in one of your meetings if you said yes to God and what he wanted you to do, if you walked in the manner worthy of the calling, if you moved, if you did something, if you put that idea into practice, if you made that dream come, come to life, if you made it happen. So make it happen. You say, I don't have the resources right now. Do what you can. Do what you can. Don't be discouraged by what you can't do. Just accomplish what you can do. I know for me, I, I, I deal with this, where I want everything all at once. I want to take giant leaps. I don't want to, I don't have to get up and do the same thing over and over repetitiously every day and see, and see steady, small increase. It's just not my nature. I want to take big swings and strike out and get home runs. You know, baseball is getting ready to come back, and the World Baseball Classic's been going on. I would, I would rather be a slugger. I'd rather hit home runs and triples every once in a while than get a single every other at-bat. And obviously, most, most coaches would probably take the guy that has a higher average than a higher slugging. I'm not even sure. But I want to hit home runs is the point. You know, I, I'm not someone that's like super interested in getting walks or hitting singles. I want, I want to make big leaps. I want to do big things right now. But maybe right now, you just got to hit some singles. You got to do what you can. And that's fine. And so do it. And watch as you, as you stay along that path how God increases you and enlarges your, your increase and gives you bigger platforms and gives you bigger things to do. Because according to God's word, that's how it has to be. That's what it will be because God's hands on your life and you're obedient and you're doing what God's word says to do. And when you do that, there's no chance that there won't be increase on your life and in your ministry. There's a work for you to do. Do it with the right motivation. Do it with the hunger and the burning passion to reach the lost, the hurt, and the dying and the broken. Do it 
from a genuine heart for people and the advancement of God's kingdom and not material things or opportunity, opportuni- opportunities, but do it from a standpoint. If I want to reach my generation, I want to impact people before Jesus comes and watch how God will bless you. I promise you, he will. I promise you, he will. You have a unique gift. It's specific to you. It's something that only you offer. So offer it. And if people don't like it, they can, they can kiss off. It doesn't matter. Because there are people that will receive you. There are people that will understand what's on your life. You'll get paid well for it. God will take care of you. And you'll make great, great impact for God's kingdom. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for all my friends that listen to the podcast today. I thank you for their lives. I thank you, God, that every single one of them is important to you. I thank you for the moment in time that they've been born into, whether they know it or not, that it's significant, that it's vital, that they accomplish and say yes to what you've called them to do for time is a limited resource, and Jesus, your son, is coming soon. So, Father, I thank you that you're raising up young ministers full of power, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, full of your word, and full of passion and zeal in having a heart to reach those that are lost and hurt and dying and broken before it's eternally too late. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that doors would open for them. I thank you that finances would come in to buy equipment, to do what they feel called to do. I thank you for the boldness of the Holy Spirit that would come upon them, that they would step out and do it, whatever it might be that they feel led to do. Father, use them in this last hour of time, in Jesus' name, to accomplish the work that you've called them to do. We pray these things in your precious Son's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening again. Um, I'll be back next week with another podcast. I'll be doing these um, more. And from this ironing board in this uh, three-bedroom house. I don't know why I said how many bedrooms are It doesn't matter. But (laughs) this house in Pittsburgh, from this ironing board, I'll be doing these podcasts until I get a desk or something, which I think would be a good idea eventually. Um, And I really appreciate your time. Thanks for not... Uh, giving up on me and actually listening all the way through if you made it this far. And uh, I'm excited for you. Write to me. Um, you know, get in contact with me on my on my social media accounts. And I can help you if, if you need help. I can give you ideas. I can um, encourage you if you need encouragement. But I want to see our generation go after what God's called them to do. And um, like I said, I'm in Pittsburgh. So if you come down for a service or come up for a service, wherever you are, I'd love to see you, uh, Revival Today Church. Also, I should mention, um, if you feel called into the ministry and you're praying about a Bible school to go to, I have a great Bible school that you could attend here in Pittsburgh. Uh, Revival Today Bible Institute is the school that's connected to the church that I'm attending. Uh, my cousin Evangelist Jonathan's church and his, his Bible college. Uh, get in contact with me if you want to Get plugged in there or get information on the school, the classes. Tuition is very, very, very cheap compared to not just secular universities, but 
any Bible college in the country, um, you'd be hard-pressed to find um, not, I shouldn't say cheaper, but lower tuition uh, than this Bible school. It's a great Bible school, great preaching, um, great teachers, great classes. Obviously, you'll be in awesome services all the time and plenty of things to get involved with uh, in and around the ministry. And so I say that, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, get in contact with me and we'll hook it up and it'll be awesome. Um, and with that said, I'll see you next week and I'll let my cousin Cam take us home. I'll see you next week. God bless you.